Hello, I'm Dr. Jonathan Barker, pastor here at Amazing Grace Baptist Church in Mount Airy, North Carolina. I would like to personally thank you for taking out time today to tune in to our preaching podcast. We hope that this message will be a great encouragement to your heart today. I've got a stack of outlines that my dad preached when I was a little boy. And um, I've been going through some of those and I called him yesterday and I said, I'm coming up there in the next day or two. And in the basement, my dad still don't use um, a tablet, you know, for his outline. He still has them printed out. And um, he's got thousands upon thousands of outlines in his basement. He's preached, he pastored for over 40 years. He's preached for over 45 years. And there's just stacks and stacks and stacks of outlines. And uh, I've started going through some of them old outlines. And I told my daddy, I said, I'm going to find some of those outlines that you preached in the 70s. And I'm going to get them out and I'm going to preach them. And uh, this was one that some of his thoughts that he used in the early 90s, the late 80s and the early 90s. And uh, I got it out and reworked it this week and added some different things to it. And uh, tonight the message I'm going to preach is a message that my dad preached in the late 80s also. And I got it out and I worked it around. And you say, well, you're not used. Well, you know what the Bible says? There's nothing new under the sun. Amen. And, uh, man, I love my daddy. And it, it, uh, uh, I'm glad that I can stand here today and use something that he used in the pulpit in the 80s and say it still works today. Amen. The Bible said this, and, and this is a very topical thought, but listen to this verse. 2 Corinthians 13, verse number 5 says this. Examine yourself, whether ye be in the faith. Prove your own selves, know ye not your own selves, uh, how that Jesus Christ is in you, uh, except ye be reprobate. What did he say? What's the first two words of that verse? Examine uh, yourself. And I want to preach on that this morning. Father, I love you. I pray over the next few minutes, God, that you would help us as we preach. God, you know the need of the service, Father. I pray, Lord, that your will and way would be done in it today. God, thank you, Lord, for a great crowd. Thank you, Lord, for a great crowd of kids, Father, out in youth church this morning and then our babies in the nursery and our toddlers, Father, in, in that class this morning as we're preaching. Thank you, Lord, for the ladies that's working, Father, with the toddlers in the nursery. Thank you, Lord, for Brother Heath and Miss Morgan and Brother Aaron and Miss Bethany that's out in youth church this morning, God. And I pray, Lord, that you'd bless all of them, Father, for their work that they're putting in this morning. Thank you for a good Sunday school hour, a good time of fellowship before Sunday school this morning, God. Lord, thank you for what you're doing at our church, Father. I stand amazed at how good you are to us. Now, God, I pray that you'd illuminate our mind for just a few minutes this morning, God. Help us to preach in power and unction and demonstration of the Holy Spirit of God. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. You can be seated this morning. I want to preach on examining ourselves this morning for just a little while. Whenever you um, uh, go to the doctor, if you go to the doctor, and don't take this the wrong way, but I don't like the doctor. Now, uh, I love Dr. Mitten, my doctor. I appreciate him. Uh, I appreciate him always trying to help me. Um, there's several people in, the, in our church that works for him, and I appreciate, the, I appreciate everybody in health care, but I don't like going to the doctor, okay? 
I get nervous about it. Miss Regina fusses and Miss Dawn fusses because my blood pressure is always high when I go in the doctor's office. They make Brother Rodney sit there for a while till his comes down before they even let him leave because he gets so anxious going to the doctor. And I guess it's just the fear of the unknown uh, when we go to the doctor. I'll never forget, man, back in January um, when I was so sick and I ended up going to the doctor after um, four or five days and, and um, they told me that I had pneumonia. And, uh, man, I was sitting there and my blood, I'm glad they didn't check my blood pressure at that point because the first thing that run through my mind, COVID was still in the air and I knew that I had had that and, and the first thing that hit my mind was this, I'm dead. You say, what did you do? I called my mama. That's exactly what I'd done. I picked up the phone. I called my mama and I started crying on the phone, Brother Jim, because uh, the horror stories of COVID pneumonia, man, it really did, Brother Stan. It scared me to death when that happened. We don't like going to the doctor a lot of times because of the fear of the unknown. What are are they going to say? Is it going to be just a regular one-year checkup or is it going to turn in to numerous doctor visits and time in the hospital and us meeting our maker because of this visit? Examining ourselves. That's what happens when we go to the doctor. Can I say something to you? That doctor recommends that once a year we go for a physical and for a checkup. I would say this to you this morning. I think it would do us real good more than once a year uh, to examine ourselves spiritually this morning. I'm not talking about physically today, but spiritually. uh, Where are we at spiritually? Now, I want to say something to you. I believe that the plainest doctrine in the Word of God today is the doctrine of eternal security. You say, preacher, what do you mean by that? I'll say it this way, once saved, always saved. There is a lot today in our society and even in our area that believes we can lose our salvation. Can I say something to you? You'll not find that nowhere in the Word of God. But over and over and over and over again, you will find eternal security. Matter of fact, he said this in Romans 10, 13, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, period. Quit putting a question mark where God puts a period. He said you shall be saved. Nowhere did he say that I was saved for a certain amount of time and that if I stumped my toes, said something I shouldn't say, God came back that because of that I was going to hell. Nowhere does he say that. He says that I'm saved and I am eternally saved. Matter of fact, he says this, that I am sealed by the Holy Ghost of God until the day of redemption. So you're saying that I can break the seal of the Holy Ghost by saying that I can lose my salvation. I'm not the one that's keeping my salvation. He is. And the Holy Spirit sealed me in Him. And if I can break the seal of the Holy Spirit, I can break the blood covenant that Jesus made with God on Calvary. And I can break what God put a period at. You're not going to do that. Eternal security is the plainest doctrine in our Bible today. However, there is times that we want to use this term a lot of times, backslide. Are you with me? Uh, You say, well, what is backsliding? I'll put it real simple. If there was a time that you was closer to God than you are right now, then something's wrong. 
If there was a time that you read your Bible more than you read it right now, then something's wrong. If there was a time that we prayed more than we pray right now, then something's wrong. Let's examine ourselves this morning and see. Let's let him be the doctor today. And let's see what the doctor's report, the Lord be the doctor today. And let's see what his report is at the end of the story today. Examine yourself. Let me show you two or three things that I believe that this examination should reveal. Number one is we examine ourselves today and we, and, and can I say this? You know what we do so many times? Whenever we begin thinking about things like this and topics like this, we think about Josh. You only knew some of the things that Josh did. Or we think about Tanya. I mean, the list goes on and on. It's the infinity and beyond on that one. I'm just picking. But that's what we do, Brother Lloyd. We think, well, you know what? I wish old such and such was here. You know, if old such and such was here, forget about old such and such today. Forget, now I don't mean this ugly, forget about your spouse sitting beside of you. Forget about your children and for just a little while today allow God to look into those secret places in your heart and let's examine ourselves. That's what he said, examine yourself. Number one, I believe this examination should reveal a, a changed life. A changed life. And I say something, whenever you study the Word of God, and especially in the New Testament, you'll find that in studying the New Testament, there was never an individual that met the Lord Jesus Christ that their life didn't change. Boy, we could go to Acts chapter number 9 today. And in Acts chapter number 9, let's rewind to Acts chapter number 7. And let's close Acts chapter number 7 out. There's a young man that is being stoned to death in Acts chapter number 7, closing it out. And his name is Stephen. Matter of fact, we find him to be the first Christian martyr in the Word of God in the New Testament. And he said this. He said that there was a man there that his name was Saul. And Saul had brought those charges against him. That man by the name of Saul is somebody we know today by the name of the apostle of Paul. Whenever you study Saul out, here's what Saul did. Saul hunted Christians down and killed Christians. That's what Saul did. Matter of fact, in Acts chapter number 9, you know what Saul was doing? Saul was making his way to the, on the road to Damascus, on, on the way to Damascus, and here's what he was looking for. He was looking for people that loved God, people that was serving God, people that was listening to the preaching of Jesus and adhering to that preaching and he was going to kill them or have them killed for that very thing. And in Acts chapter number 9, you know what happens? Paul is on the road to Damascus. Uh, and can I just preach it in our dispensation today? Here's what happens. The Holy Ghost of God comes by and convicts him of what he's doing and says, man, this is wrong. Uh, you're doing the wrong thing. And you know what happens to old Saul? Saul gets saved uh, on the road to Damascus. Uh, and you know what happens on the end of that chapter and rolling into chapter number 10 God says you're no more going to be called Saul but you're going to be called Paul and you know who writes close to half of our New Testament today it's a 
and by the name of the apostle of Paul who once was Saul. You see, when you examine Saul's life, you'll find there was a change. I want to ask you a question today. Has there been a change in your life since you got saved? Examine yourself. I'll never forget I was 16 years old. And I was a good kid. I was a little mischievous every once in a while. But honestly, the day I got saved at 16 years old, I had never touched a drop of alcohol. I had never done any kind of illegal drugs. I, had, I, 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 I went to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night. The biggest part of the time, I was at church. I grew up beside the church, and there was a great big cemetery in between the house that I lived in and the church that my dad pastored. You know what we done on Saturdays? We went to visitation on Saturday mornings. Then on Saturday afternoons, S.D. and Leela, Parker come to clean the church uh, and Aaron and April come with them and me and my sister Rebecca and Aaron and April had church on Saturday afternoons. I've had so many babies saved uh, that were sitting on pews, baby dolls lined up down the pews. Man, I would preach. Uh, they'd get saved. We'd baptize them. Uh, my grandpa even built me a little bitty pulpit that I would preach behind. Uh, I've had cows saved. I've had trees rededicate their life. That's all I knew growing up, man. It's all I knew. But at 16 years old, I knew there was a void in my life. I knew something wasn't right. And I'll never forget July the 20th, 1994, at 16 years old, we was at youth camp. One reason I love youth camp so much is because it's where I got saved and where I surrendered to preach at. We was at youth camp. And I'll never forget, God showed me that night I was going to hell. Boy, I got out of the pew. I came down. I walked past the altar. I went through the door into the adult men's prayer room and Steve Doolin and Darren Hester was back there praying and I said, listen guys, I'm going to hell. I've got to get saved. One of them said, well, here's what the Bible said. And I said, I don't need to know what the Bible says. I can probably quote it better than you. And boy, I bowed down that day and asked God to forgive me of my sins and to come into my heart and say, man, can I tell you something? My life has been changed ever since then. My life has never been the same since that day. Nowhere in the Bible will you find that anybody met Jesus that there wasn't a change in their life. Man, there was a change in my life. There was a change. Can I say this? There was a change in my attitude. It'll cause a change in your attitude. It'll cause a change in your actions. What did the Bible say in 2 Corinthians 5, 17? He said, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. It will change you. When somebody as big as him moves in somebody as small as you, there'll be a change. You say, well, preacher, my life never changed. I can do the things that I've always done. I can still act the way that I've always acted. I can talk the way that I've always talked. Nothing bothers me. And my life never changed. You didn't get what I got. You didn't get what I got. I'm telling you, man, it will change. Number one, what are we looking for in this examination? It should reveal a changed life. Number two, I would say this. It should reveal a chastened life. A chastened life. 
Let me read you a verse of scripture here real quick. I, I normally write my scripture down, but let me read this to you. And I can probably quote it, but I want to make sure I read it the right way. Hebrews 12 says this, Therefore seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with, with patience the race that is set before us. A chastened life. You say, preacher, what are you talking about? We will, and I, I'll say more about this, and I, I really probably should just tie these two together. But we will choose to do things different than we once did. A chastened life. In other words, when at one point you would have absolutely cussed somebody out for what they done, you shake their hand and turn around and walk off. Chastisement. You, you crucify your flesh. You know what Paul said? Paul said this, that, that guy that I was preaching about a while ago that his life got changed in Acts chapter number 9. In Romans chapter number 7, you'll read it sometimes. It, 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 it is initially in reading it, don't fall out with me here, let me explain it. It's very confusing. Because it starts out like this. That which I would do, I do not. And that which I would not do, that I do. Why didn't you just say, you do what you want to do? Because that's practically what he just said. That which I would do, I do not. That which I would not do, that I do. Paul goes on to say that there is a war in his members the flesh and the spirit warring against each other you know they don't make cartoons like they used to stay with me y'all think I'm having an ADD moment they don't make cartoons like they used to they really don't Tom and Jerry man it was wasn't it brother Robert it was the best I might see if we can watch an episode before the men's meeting tonight it was the best. But you remember when Tom, have you ever watched Tom and Jerry? Have y'all watched Tom and Jerry? Yeah, Tom and Jerry. Tom and Jerry. Okay, Tom and Jerry. Have y'all ever watched Tom and Jerry? Okay, I'd get it right for this section this morning. Whoever, whatever boy talks to her, make sure you talk right. Tom and Jerry. And, and, and Tom's chasing Jerry and he runs in that hole and, and I, have y'all ever thought about this? Okay, now I'm like a visual person but have y'all ever thought about this? They, them walls in them houses they was like eight foot wide. The wall was. For him to do everything he done in a two by four wall it was not happening, man. It had to at least be a two by twelve wall. Are you with y'all ain't got a clue what I'm talking? You know what I'm talking about, don't you, Brother Lloyd? Mm, big walls, man. He runs in there, and Jerry runs, Jerry runs back. He gets the TNT and he comes back and he starts to slide it underneath that little hole. And he's gonna blow Jerry all to pieces. And all of a sudden, an angel pops up on his shoulder and goes, you don't need to do that. 
And Tom's like, And then all of a sudden, the devil pops up on this shoulder and goes, put two sticks in there. Let him have it. Blow him to smithereens. And the angel goes, no, 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 no. You don't need to do that. Now we can sit here and we can laugh about that, but how many times in our life have we been at a place where we was like, ow, and all of a sudden, the Lord pops up and goes, you'll tell him about Jesus. And the devil pops up and goes, throat punching. Knock his Adam's apple to his spine. Hit him. Somebody give me an amen this morning. I'm not the only one that deals with this, whether you want to admit it or not, okay? And the angel goes, oh, no, no, no. Jesus wouldn't be proud of you. And the devil goes, but he said if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you. Maybe the battle's not real to everybody, but it is to me. And you go, I love you. I appreciate you. And you turn around and walk off. Let me tell you what just happened. You lived a chastened life. You just lived a chastened life. This examination this morning to reveal a change in us, but it ought to reveal a chastened life. Not only that in chastening to ourself, but it ought, what did he say in that verse that we set aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. So there's things that's not sin in our life, but that's a weight that will keep us from doing the best that we can for God. And you know what? The devil says, oh, don't worry about that weight. And God says, push that weight to the side. A chastened life. Not only a chastened life to ourselves, but it ought to reveal a chastisement from God on us. Can I just say something to you? I can't have the wrong thoughts and get by with it. I, my wife can treat me any way she wants to, and it don't bother her a bit. But I can't treat her any way I want to, and it not bother me. Y'all have heard me tell that story about that Sunday morning there was a mouse in the basement and she was like, you've got to come home and kill it. I said, I've got to preach. I don't have time. to." No, you've got to come home right now. And I very politely, unpolitely said, I'm not coming home right now. You go down there and do it yourself. And I ended up walking down there and, and we don't have arguments. We have discussions. So if you ever call me and I say, Leslie and I was discussing some things, that means there's frying pans flying at the Barker's house, praise God. I went down there and I killed it and I threw it out the door and, and, and said some things I shouldn't say. And I came back up here and I got in the altar and I said, Lord, I need your help this morning. He said, not do you go back to the house and make things right with your wife. Chastisement from God. God was chastising me. You know, my daddy, my daddy used to, to beat me and my mama beat me real bad. <laughs> I ain't lying. I didn't get spankings. We didn't get whooping or, 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 or whippings. We didn't get one, two, three. My mom and daddy never learned how to count, okay? They still don't know how. To, they don't even know how to go from zero to one, okay? It was do it or die. Or at least get beat within an inch of... My mama, whatever was laying around, was flying. My daddy flew a, a, threw a ball pin hammer at me one day building something because I talked back. And it's just the grace of God that I'm here today. 
You say, well, they ordered to put him in jail. They'd have given him 30 days in the electric chair the way they beat me. You say, you poor little child. I'm married. I got three kids. I'm doing all right for myself. It's all right. Quit counting to three and start correcting your kids and they'll turn out a whole lot better. <laughs> I just thought I'd throw that one out there real quick. Now come back. God corrects us and daddy would say this. My girls know what I'm fixing to say. This is going to hurt me worse than it does you. But in the end, you'll thank me. I still had never thanked him to his face. <laughs> and I always wanted to say, Hoss, give me the belt. You turn around and touch your ankles and let me whoop you since it's going to hurt you worse. That'll bring me more pain. And I never told him that either. Looking back, can, you, can I tell you what chastisement brought? Chastisement brought happiness looking back. And there's times that God says, I'm going to take you to the woodshed because we're living a life that we're not supposed to live. I'm talking about chastisement. Examine yourself. Does God correct you when you're not doing right? Number one, it ought to reveal, this examination ought to reveal a changed life. It ought to reveal a chastened life. Number three, I would say this to you. It ought to reveal a choice life. Listen to what the Bible said in 1 Peter 2 2. As newborn babes desiring the sincere milk of the word, that ye may grow thereby. A choice life. You said, Preacher, what, what, what do you mean? Here's what I mean. You ought to choose to do the right things. A choice life. A choice life. I, um, I, I, I would not trade my life with nobody else in the world today. And you say, well, all you do is preach three times a week. I wish. I really, matter of fact, if you'll come to that men's meeting tonight, you'll understand that in the past month, I've done a whole lot more than preach three times a week. Um, when you decide to build a building and, 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 and you're pretty much going to do it all to help save the church money, um, preaching is fun. Are you with me? It's so much more than that. It's, it's, I said this the other day. A pastor goes from the highest of highs to the lowest of lows and stepping across a room sometimes in a hospital. You can go be with someone that just had their baby and, man, new life is brought into the world and they're healthy and everybody's, man, it's a wonderful time and you're rejoicing with them. Get on an elevator, go to the ER, get off in the ER and somebody's just lost their child and you're doing a death notification to them. You go from the highest of highs to the lowest of lows just that quick. And that's one reason whenever you study it all out that preachers and pastors battle depression is because of that. And, and I say this, we're masterminds at hiding our feelings. What if I walk through the door this morning just, well, we're going to preach a little bit today. Well, whoo, I'm on the winning side. About two weeks of that, and we wouldn't need to be in a building program. Are you with me? And I'm not giving you no sad stories. Here's what I'm saying. I wouldn't trade my life with nobody. I wouldn't trade what I do with any person in this room this morning. Let me tell you the reason why. 
I love it. God called me to do it and I choose to do it. I choose to do it. I don't have to pastor the church. You say, well, what do you mean you don't have to? I don't have to pastor it. I can resign. I can put our house on the market, move back to East Bend or move somewhere else and, and, and live a completely different life. I'm 43, 4, 8, something other. But I choose to do what I do. You want me to tell you the reason why, Tim? Because God is so good. That's why. Because it's the greatest life, man. You know what? I know what I did last night. I know what I did. I didn't have to wake up this morning sick as a dog from a hangover. I didn't have to wake up this morning wondering if I went to bed with my wife or somebody else because I was so messed up last night. I choose to live the life that I live because it is by far the greatest life that there is. Serving Jesus is the greatest thing that there is today. Let me tell you the reason people do what they do it's because they choose to do that. It's because they, if you don't pay your bills, it's because you choose not to pay your bills. Amen. Well, preacher, I, 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 you choose not to do Let me tell you the reason people hang out with drunks and become drunks, because they choose to do that. Amen. Amen. You say, preacher, it's a disease. I agree with you. It's called sin. It's called sin. And you say, are you against it? I'm against every drop of alcohol that's ever been. From wine, the rest of the way up. and, and oh. Don't even look upon it if it moves itself. It's what the Word of God said. Woe unto a man that puts strong drink to his neighbor's mouth. And you hear me and you hear me well. God never put a go where he put a woe. He said, woe, I'm against every bit of that. Do you want me to tell you the reason people live their life that way? They choose to. You want me to tell you the reason a man's messed up on dope today? He chose at one point in his life to do that. You want me to tell you the reason people hang out with people they shouldn't hang out with? They choose to do that. Hear me and hear me well. You are right now or soon will be what your friends are. Let me see who you're running with, who you're hanging out with, and that's what you're going to become. That's, what you're, that's the reason it's so important to choose the right life. And that right life is a life lived with Jesus, man. It's the greatest life. It's the how You say, preacher, is there times that there's discouragement? Absolutely. You say, preacher, is there times that you're down and out? Absolutely. But in the midst of every bit of that, I have a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. I have a joy that's unspeakable and full of glory all because I choose to live the life that I live. It's a choice life. What does this examination, what should it reveal? Number four, I'm done. Will you come and start playing? It should reveal a caring life. You say, well, preacher, you just preached against alcohol. Make, if, if you've ever had a question in your mind, understand it right now. I'm against every bit of it. I don't stand up here every Sunday and blow all of that out, but I'm against it. One year ago today, one year ago today, I laid in the back of a truck cutting a 15-year-old girl out because of alcohol that her 18-year-old friend was laying in the back seat dead. A 16-year-old that was drunk driving 
lived from it, and she lived out of it. We was able to save her life. I'm against every bit of it. Over 20 years of cutting people out of stuff like that, I'm against it. I'm against every bit of it. I'm against, I'm against marijuana. I'm against too many prescription medications. I'm against it all. It ruins lives. It destroys marriages. I got a friend that's his home's in a mess right now because of it. I'm against every bit of it. Make no bones about it, but I want you to hear me. I sure do love the people it affects. And this, this, this examination ought to reveal a caring life. You can be against something and still love them. You, there's two genders in the Word of God. Somebody give me an amen. While we're on stuff this morning, I, I get done today, we may not need to go into a building program. There's two genders in the Word of God. God made Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. And it's plain in the Word of God. He destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah because of the sin of Solomon. He destroyed it. God's not changed his mind on that. The word of God is not changed on that. I still stand firm on that today. Why don't you to hear me? I sure love the people that it's got captive today. I love talk I talk to people that lives a different lifestyle than me every week. Every week. And I could call them right now and they would come running to help me because they know I love them. I hug their neck and tell them I love them. I'm against the life that they're living, but boy, I love them. If something don't happen, they're going to die and go to hell one day because their life's not changed. I'm telling you, the Word of God's plain this morning. We can't alter this book to what we want it to say. And this examination should reveal a caring life to us. If you don't care for people that's lost. I, I went down the road just the other day and there was a man sitting on the side of the road in Mount Airy. You can tell he hadn't had a bath in three or four days. You can tell he, he was an alcoholic. He was homeless. And I turned around and I went back. I sat down beside of him on the side of the road. He said, you got any money? And I said, no, not to give you. I'll take you and get you something to eat. I'll take you and get you something to eat. I'll take you and get you something to drink. I don't have none to give you. He was messed up. I took a track Begin to read that track to him and tell him about Jesus. And as I got back in my truck, Brother Tim, here's exactly what I thought about. If it wasn't for the grace of God, that's where I'd be today. That's a lie. Boy, we look down our nose so many times at church, their their souls behind every face is a soul. No, I'm against all of it. I'm against it because of what it does to lives. But boy, we got to love them. We got to love them. I tell every one of them, 
anytime. Anytime you want to go to church. I can tell you one church that will never look down their eyes at you and look down their nose at you. I tell you one church that will clear the pew so you'll have a place to sit at. It don't matter the way you look. It don't matter the way you smell. It don't matter if you come in with vomit running down your shirt where you've been so messed up outside. You know what we're going to do? We're going to walk up to them. We're going to shake their hand. And we're going to tell them that Jesus loves them. And Jesus will change their life. It ought to reveal a caring life. We ought to care about souls. We've got over the fact, God help us. We've got over the fact that people's going to hell. There's an eternal hell burning beneath us today. And if they don't get saved, they're going to go to hell one day. May God break our hearts. May we never. Boy, God's good to us, Randy. Friday morning, we were sitting on the side of the mountain up in Virginia. There was turkeys gobbling around us, and Olivia was sitting right in front of me, and I leaned up next to her, and I said, Hey, baby. I said, You know what them turkeys are saying this morning? Sun was starting to come up, sitting on, man, it was beautiful up there. She said, No, Daddy, what are they saying? She couldn't see it, but tears sweat up my eyes. And I said, They're saying, Thank you, Jesus, for another day. Thank you, Jesus, for another day. And I'll tell you something that God's blessed us. We don't deserve. I don't do this much, but the day's a very busy day. So during Sunday school, me and Brother Brian was going over some financial stuff on the lawn. He asked me a couple of things about how much was in this account and that account I was telling him. Well, I look back 15 years there wasn't nobody here, Brother Jim, hardly. We didn't have no money. We didn't have nothing. We was trying to figure out, man, it's the first church I ever pastored. I knew the, the answer to every question and knew the questions too. And it took me about a month to realize that I was dumb and didn't know nothing. And I still don't today. But I have found this out. If you love people, and you'll let them know that you love them, and you'll let them know that God will change their life, and you'll just be faithful to Him, Boy, he'll be faithful to you. He'll take care of you. And as we sit here today, God has blessed us. The life I just preached about, some of y'all lived. That was where some of y'all was at on a Sunday morning not too long ago. But look at where you're at today. May we never get to the place where we think our church has risen till I'd rather be in a storefront building with 20 people that loves Jesus and don't look down their face or their nose at somebody. May we never forget where he brought us from. In order to build a caring life. He said, examine yourself this morning. Examine yourself. Where are you at today? Has there ever been a change in your life? If there hadn't been, there can be today. Is there chastisement in your life? Do you push the old man to the side sometimes? Is it a choice life? Man, I choose to live this. I choose this. I'm not bragging on myself. We was talking the other day in a meeting, me and Brother Mark and a contractor. We'd just come out of a meeting with steel structure people and engineers and 
everything else. And I looked at them and I said, you know what, if I wasn't doing this, I'd go to work for some of these people. I said, because I can talk to people and I can sell things and I'd make a whole lot more money than I'm making right now. But I choose to live this life. It's the greatest life. I don't want nothing else. It's the greatest life. It's a choice life. And is it a caring life this morning? Father.